Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, we're a few weeks away or a month or so away from the start of the Premier League season, but uh, we have to go back before we go back to the future to pick up the pieces uh, from the end of last season. Because the last time we spoke, uh, I don't think Spurs had a manager. Arsenal was still in the title race. Oh, how times have changed. Um, <laughs> I think we need to address uh, the bottle in the room. Uh, and Jason, I'll kick us off with this opening question. Did Arsenal bottle the title? Uh, am I, am I, is, is it a yes, no question or am I allowed uh, uh, to elaborate my answer? Maybe start off with a yes, no, and then elaborate on why you have said no or the correct answer, which is yes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it might shock you to hear I'm going to say no, we did not bottle the league. Um, the reason is we weren't supposed to be in, in the league to bottle in the first place. We were relegation candidates. We not finished in the in European spaces uh, the year before. No, that's not true. We finished fifth. Ignore me. Um, yeah, bottled the top four as well. Bottled the top four as well. But, you know, we were slowly building up, but everyone thought, eh, Arsenal, whatever. And we built a charge for ourselves. We had a very good set of fixtures, um, the confidence built for the World Cup, and we had a lot of fit players. And yes, we did tail off at the end. Um, there were some pathetic performances. Um, there were some serious questions about what Arteta did in terms of rotation as well towards the end. Um, in particular, if Trossard and Jorginho had maybe played four or five games more, I, I would say we'd be, you'd be talking to a fan of the Premier League champions. Um, it didn't happen. Um, I don't think anyone should be celebrating the fact that Man City won the league. Um, what is it, five out of six now? Um, it's not great for competition law. Competition law? Law of competition, whatever you want to say. Um, and it's very disappointing. So I'd say that, yes, we, 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 let, um, we let the lead, the Premier League lead um, go by, but everyone was looking at it based on the points on the board, not the reality of, City's game in hands, the fixtures, the way they were outlined, the injuries, etc. Um, I had always said, I don't think we're going to do it. Um, I'm pretty sure I said that. You might have to go back and, <laughs> and, uh, and view. But I'm very proud of the Arsenal, hoping we can go from strength to strength. And uh, I think, um, apart from one of my dark courses, which we'll talk about later, um, I, think, uh, I think we have a good chance of winning it this year. So, yes, a tough end to the season. Very upsetting, kind of ridiculous, albeit City had to rest in the end. But when you think about it, if we just won those Forest and Brighton games, we probably would have won the league. Um, by then, the damage was done psychologically. And uh, yeah, gutting, gutting to say the least. Well, g given everything you've just said there, I'm not sure how you can say it wasn't a bottle. You said there Forest, Brighton, there was what, blowing a two-goal lead to West Ham... I mean, it's not like those City-Liverpool years where they went right to the final day and both got almost 100 points and it really did just come down to those head-to-head -head games. I mean, you you threw away points against teams who you should have beat. You squandered two-goal leads. I mean, I've just Googled bottling definition sport because the first definition I came, was, came up with other stuff. And it said in football, to bottle or to have bottled something is to throw away a lead or a good chance of winning when you've been on the front foot. It doesn't really matter about what the expectations were before the season. I mean, those seasons when Spurs ended up in a title race, we weren't expected to be in one. And we were called bottlers when 
we were never even top. You set a new record for the number of days spent top of the league without winning it, taking the record away from yourself from a previous Arsenal team. I think it was a record for most number of points at the halfway point not to go on and win the title. Biggest lead on New Year's Day not to go on and win the title. And, and, Any and record you want to, last to quantify time, it, it was the time, biggest bottle job in Premier League history. I believe the last time this bottle or, or this um, high, uh, most out points by a certain stage from Arsenal, I think the next year we went and did the Invincibles. So, Well, I'll, I'll look forward to that then this season. Well, exactly. Well, exactly. We've, got, we've got high standards. But, OK, so Leicester... City, if they had not won it, were they bottlers? Yeah. Well, yeah, if, if if they'd been top for however many hundreds of days and had a massive points lead and then thrown it away by not winning games that they should have won and blowing two goal leads, I think it would have been a bottle. I don't think bottle really has anything to do with what expectations were ahead of time. It's about finding yourself in that position and then throwing it away. But then at what stage do you say a team's overachieved then? Well, I think we've two things can it. be true so at the should, same time. Should, so we, you can we've have bottled, overachieved. We've bottled, we've bottled it and we've had the best season in years and are the, the, the heir to Man City and the best well, team best, in England. Best season in years. You got fewer points than we did in 2016-17 when we finished second. And that was a younger team that was far less expensively assembled as well. And that was a team that were called bottlers, even though they weren't top at any point that, that season. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, if we're going with the definition, bottlers, then, then yeah. Or well, at least, because I, I, yeah, I feel like you, you can't say Arsenal didn't bottle it and claim that Spurs have bottled it. Either yeah, no, you didn't bottle right. it and they have before Spurs didn't, or you, we both did, but it can't be one and not the other. I'm happy to change my mind based on the evidence presented to myself um, self by you. And, and yeah, if, if we want to go with that, then let's be bottlers all the way. But I'm a very proud bottler if we're bottlers. A proud bottler. And I guess speaking of, you said, you know, going into next season, do you think now that the expectation, having had that season, having spent, spent the money, I guess we'll get onto transfers later, but having spent the money you've spent and had the season you've had, is the expectation now for next season that you need to go on and, you know, you said the expectations before the start of last season weren't to win the title, but the expectations going into this season to win the title? I think that from a performance perspective, no. I think that people will think we overachieved and because we've got Champions League football next year, to be in amongst the top four and be challenging will be good enough. But I do agree that the transfers now have made it pretty clear that I would argue with City losing a lot of players from a motivation perspective, having won everything, um, which again, as I say, isn't great for football. Um, you, you say, yeah, we're favourites and therefore you need to go win the league. Otherwise, um, otherwise you've, you've missed your targets and missed and, and, you know, the expectations that are so high now have been missed but I know a lot of people say oh well Arteta will be sacked and da, 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 da. think about where we were two years ago we have been we have short we, we have we've accelerated this project like mad because it's just been going so well and and it, it almost I, I feel like people want us to say okay well actually you should have finished fourth last year that would have been better 
it's almost both like we've created a straw for our own back by by, by well i mean you've got the same so well. finishing second and finishing fourth is gives you the same result at the end of the day doesn't it mm, yeah you're not wrong but but, but it but it shows intense psychologically the playing a team that finished second last uh, the year before you're thinking oof we're playing a title challenge here and let's not make no mistakes we were in it till the last two three games we were mathematically yeah Mathematically, but but clearly psychologically, you'd you'd lost it uh, and before again, those last two they, three they, games. The club were not the players were not ready for that that journey. They had gone, you know, they've gone from their eighth to fifth. The next natural step is to be that Champions League contender. They skipped a level and they clearly weren't ready. But now they've had that experience. Next year, they've got to damn well be ready. There's no excuse not to be ready. And that, that, in that sense, I agree with you. And if you've gone and spent that much money. And you've gone and strengthened the spine of the team and you haven't lost any key players. I'd argue Shaka was always a bit of a liability in the team. So I, I'm not I'm not I'm not um delighted to see the back of him because he, he he kind of uh, had a bit of a redemption arc and, and still a bit of quality and experience. But I do I do think that we are better as it stands on paper. And you know, I would argue City are worse on paper right now. So therefore if the season starts tomorrow and the windows of a shot, I'd say, yeah, bring it on. We're, we're the best team in England. I mean, you can't spend £105 million on a, on a single player and not have something to show for it, right? And and that's well, not even anything well, thinking the money you've spent on Havertz, the money you've spent on Timber, whatever else you might spend. He is mid-20s, mid though, and, and, it, and it is, it's a long-term purchase. You don't spend that money for a, for a one-off. These are young guys, Timber, Havertz and Rice. It's all young, it's all got a gel. I think our average starting 11 age is 25. This is a team that should peak in a couple of years. You know, we're not we're not necessarily there and ready. It's a journey. I think Liverpool showed that. Uh, yeah, but like you said, it's it's you finish you finish second, so you've gone eighth, fifth, second. You've spent now 105 million, you know, British record fee on a player. Surely now the next step, you know, Arteta's been here what five years, coming up six years. 600 plus million spent surely now you're reaching the point where you finish second this money spent the next step is now to go and win the league or the champions league it's to to take off and get to that next level because otherwise i mean anything below second is objectively regression isn't it it's a backward step next season you said something just now about whether he's been here four five six years he's only been here a few years he got he got in the year before COVID, 2019. Yeah, so about four, just three and a half years. So it shows how well he's done. This is a guy who never managed before, remember? Never managed before. But and and it, it shows sometimes. It never shows. The man, the man is a genius. The man is the heir to Pep Guardiola. He's the third best manager in the league, if not the second best manager in the league. Ooh, um, not sure about and, that. Oh, I don't know if any, who else is there. Pochettino, trophyless uh, ex-spud. Um, I... Pochettino's won more than Arteta. Has he? Yeah. Has he? Pretty sure. Uh, the only thing Arteta's won was that one FA Cup behind closed doors against Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Doesn't count. Hey, he Pochettino's won a title. Count. What we gonna? It's like we erase the old Premier League years. What? Let's erase the uh, COVID, COVID years. COVID, no, no, no. COVID years don't count. What's Liverpool? Liverpool never won the league. No. Charles Bale never came back to Spurs. You know what? Sometimes uh, it doesn't goal. feel like Harry Kane's it. goals don't count. Oh, there you go. So then uh, he'll never make Shearer's record, especially when he's off to Bayern and Bundesliga. <laughs> um, 
Um, we're jumping ahead in this in the agenda. We're jumping well ahead in the agenda. I I think if we go back, let, let's 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 collect ourselves. Come and collected. Yeah. Declan Rice is a statement signing. We were not signing Declan Rice a year ago. We we are signing Declan Rice because we are the hottest team in the country right now. He could have gone anywhere. And, if he wants to go and, to Man City, he would have gone to Man City. We've got the best also manager. That you you, you were prepared to pay squad. a ridiculous price for him. That's not a ridiculous price. That is that is City wouldn't rate. pay it. City would have paid it if they wanted him, but he didn't want to go to City. He said, I want to go to Arsenal, best team in the in the league, the best team with the most potential, well, the best manager. Uh, in the not, league. not the best team in the league, if you're second. Well, second best team in the league then, to be the best team in the league. He's buying into the project and everyone's jumping on the fact that we had one bad pre-season game. You know, City lost the Community Shield last year and then they won the quadruple. So we can we can lose all the pre-season games we want and we can have all the bad performances we want. When we line up against Forest at home on the first game of the season and we wallop them 4-0 and we and we, we, we set a standard for ourselves, you know, I'll be laughing. Again, as I said, everyone loves to hate Arsenal. Everyone loves, you know, because we've we have set that expectation for ourselves, but I'm sure we're gonna match it again. Um, and I'm sure we'll be finishing above Spurs again. And I think we'll be we'll be lifting a trophy by the end of the season, unlike Spurs again. <laughs> well, I mean, you can wallop uh, Forest on the opening day as much as you want, but it's about what happens, you know, away at Forest at the end of the season, which is what Arsenal fans didn't learn uh, the season before last, where you spent all season celebrating your Champions League qualification only to bottle it at the the, the final hurdle. And last season, you spent all season long celebrating the title, saying what an incredible team you have, only to then fall at the final hurdle again so uh well know. they've fought they've fallen twice so, so what's falling next there's no there's nowhere to fall next the next level is winning it so we're going to fall by not doing it invincible great i'll take that i'll take that trophy thank you very much give me my premier league title now but talking about titles and something spurs have never done so i'm pretty sure the last time we spoke conte had had exited as you predicted um you know spurs think they're a massive club I think they've got the best striker in the league, yet the only manager they could attract is someone who has never managed in a big league. Um, one at Celtic, which everyone's done. Um, we showed how well that worked when Brendan Rodgers came to Leicester. Um, worked quite barely, well. Has yeah. barely inspired and, and, and um, kept his talisman because I think Harry Kane's fed up as well of this, this cycle. Um, and, you know, it, it's looking like a season of same old, same old for Spurs, in my opinion, because, you know, What's really changed apart from, from Madison? Okay, well, we, we, we addressed the, the bottle in the room, so let's address the, the Australian in the room, Antiprostokoglu, who you were referring to there. I have um, a defending argument drawn up for Postokoglu that I've been working on uh, for you, Jason, <laughs> and for this podcast. Um, now, look, I'm not going to pretend that he was my first choice because he wasn't. I'm not even going to pretend that he would have been on my five-man shortlist because he wasn't. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I'm some sort of expert on him now because I've watched a few YouTube videos and read some articles on him because I'm not. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and claim that it's going to work out because knowing us, it probably won't. But what I will say is that I think that he and his uh, career deserves a little bit more respect than it's been given in some quarters. And I think the reaction to his appointment does raise, I think, some genuinely interesting questions about how we rate different um experiences in football so for example graham potter right a couple of years ago when he was flying high at brighton everyone was saying oh spurs should go for potter but at the same time saying oh no but potter's too good for spurs he shouldn't go to spurs it'll ruin his reputation right 
This was a guy, Graham Potter, who had managed Ostersons in Sweden, had had one year at the championship with Swansea, where he didn't re- get to the playoffs, and then a couple of good years of Brighton in the Premier League. Ostersons, Swansea and Brighton. And yet he was being hailed as some sort of genius next big thing. Right. And then look what happened when he went to Chelsea. Managing a club like Celtic, they may be in a small league, you could say, in Scotland, but managing a club like Celtic, I would argue, is much better preparation for managing a big six club than managing most other clubs in the Premier League. You know, say what you will about the SPL, but Celtic are a massive club. They're bigger than even, I would say they're bigger even than some of the clubs in the big six. And people talk about Postacoglu as if he's some complete novice. He's managed in the Champions League with Celtic. He's managed at the World Cup with Australia. And I mean, if you've managed your home nation at the World Cup, you've managed in the Champions League. Like, I would even say as a Spurs fan, this Tottenham is not the biggest job Postacoglu's ever had, I don't think. And I'm saying that as a Spurs fan, right? If you've managed Celtic in the Champions League, you've managed your own country at a World Cup. So World, Cup World Cup and Champions... He didn't manage it at a World Cup. He didn't qualify for the Euros. You say, you disagree my point. International management is harder than it looks. Thank you. So you manage at the highest level of international football in the World Cup and, and club football Champions League, coming to Spurs who aren't in any European competition this season. Yes, it's the biggest league he's ever worked in. But, you, you know, people talk about him as if he's never had any massive job pressure scrutiny at all. He has. That's one point. Um, Julian Nagelsmann, right? Here's another comparison in terms of talking about people's CVs, right? In what other industry would, because Nagelsmann's the big favourite at the start of this process, and interesting, by the way, that he's ended up with no jobs this summer, despite all the ones that were going around. But he was um, the, the, the big favourite. Everyone said, oh, you know, Nagelsmann, Spurs missing out on Nagelsmann, lol, everyone laughing at us. But in what other industry would a 35-year-old who's only ever worked in one country and failed at the biggest job he ever got be seen as a more preferable candidate than a 56-year-old who's managed in three or four countries, succeeded everywhere he's been, including at the biggest jobs he's had? Right. But it's because we go, oh, well, Bundesliga is a better league than Scotland, Australia and Japan. But actually, the SPL is a lot more competitive than the Bundesliga, because at least every now and again, Rangers win something. Bayern Munich have won the Bundesliga, what, 10 years on the bounce. And actually, when Postacoglu went to Celtic, it was when they'd lost the league to Rangers by quite some margin. And we're actually in a bit of a crisis. And that's the other thing. You might say he's been in easier leagues, but he's not actually been... Like in Australia and Japan, he wasn't at the biggest, best club in that league when he arrived. So it's not like he's just been, oh, bit like managing PSG in, in, in France or managing Bayern in, in Germany, where it literally is you turn up and you get handed the, the league day one. He's actually been at clubs in those leagues where he has actually had to build something. So I do think that it's interesting, like I said, if you look at Graham Potter's CV or Nagelsmann's CV and say, oh, yeah, those are the guys to go for. But actually when you scratch underneath the service, is the Bundesliga that more competitive than some of the leagues Postacoglu has been in? Was Potter's uh, experience actually all that you know, impressive? And I think we learned at Chelsea, maybe it wasn't in terms of how you handle being a big club. Um, you know, Vincent Company and Xavi Alonso were linked to the Spurs job. And I guarantee if they had been hired, they wouldn't have been mocked as much as Postacoglu has been, even though they've barely got a year's worth of experience under their belt. And the final thing I'll say, and you know, for Arsenal fans, you said earlier, Arteta, um, you know, never managed before. And let's not forget Arsene Wenger, who was hired at Arsenal from Japan and was a joke. There were, you know, headlines, Arsene who Alex Ferguson famously said, what does this guy know? He's come from Japan. So for Arsenal fans of all people, I mean, look, I'm not not saying Postacoglu is going to do for us what Wenger did for Arsenal, but it just proves great managers don't always come from the places you expect. And And another thing, and this is generally the last thing, 
um, the main thing with Arteta was that he was endorsed by Pep Guardiola. I'm not, you know, claiming, like I said, I know everything about football apostacoglu, but the people who do know about him rate him very highly, including Pep Guardiola, who raves about him. So are you saying, Jason, you, is that not, is you that know not, better than Pep Guardiola? Hold on. Isn't that because Pep, he worked for one of Pep's franchises? So he's obviously going to big up his old, his old mate. Yeah, but it also, yeah, he, he um, worked, at, I think it was in Japan. He was at the City Football Group um, Club in Japan. It's very but, high level. It's very high level stuff. It's very yeah, but they, they, they hire, they, they have a kind of, they want a, a similar playing style across their clubs. And Pep was raving about the football that he had that team playing. So, um, you know, and Brighton, actually, I mentioned Graham Potter. We know they, they've got a good eye for a manager. Had Poster Cogley on their list to, uh, to succeed Potter when he went to Chelsea and, and uh, he wasn't leaving Celtic at that time. They went for De Zerbi. And De Zerbi is a case in point, right? If Spurs had hired De Zerbi um, from wherever he was at the time, people probably would have laughed at it and looked at his CV and gone, what, Sassuolo? Some mid-table Italian clubs and and then I think he was at, what, Shakhtar Donetsk? And they would have gone, what, joke appointment. But he goes to Brighton and does well at Brighton. Then all of a sudden now he's too good for Spurs. And I think it just shows the kind of Premier League bias we have where we think being at a mid-table Premier League club is inherently more impressive than being anywhere else, even though actually that isn't always the case. So, did, look, uh, he, St- did, did Stephen Gerrard win the league at, at Rangers? Uh, he did, yeah. So, okay. Good, good ba- baseline then. <laughs> well, but you could say that shows what a mess uh, Celtic were in when uh, Poscoglu arrived, that they'd lost to a Stephen Gerrard team. Um, but my point is that the, the, the basic point is Poscoglu is a lot more. Uh, experienced than people uh, give him credit for. You know, the way people talk about him, you'd think he'd never managed before or, or, you know, had been in complete sort of nothingness. But to manage a club like Celtic to, and, you know, Australia as well won them their, I think, only uh, major trophy they've won at international level, the Asian Cup in 2015. Like he has been, and the style of play, you know, people said after Mourinho and Conte, Spurs need to move away from hiring these kind of, negative big name managers and and go for somebody who plays attacking attractive football who's more of a project manager and that's what we've done and then people say oh no but oh no you need a bigger name well we went for the two biggest names probably in management in Mourinho and Conte outside of you know Pep and and Klopp and look how that ended up so you know we're trying something different like I said I'm not an expert on him but from what he said from what I've learned about his style of play um, he seems like a much better fit than maybe other managers we've gone for. And I think he deserves just, you know, a, a, on a basic level, just a little bit more respect than he's been given. Not saying he's necessarily going to be a hit because he might not be. And the way our preseason's going, it's it's not looking good for him because I think it's been a d- disaster the way our preseason's been handled. Um, and I can go into that a bit later if you want. And some of the transfers I'm not sure about. Um, but I think, you know, be a bit, be nicer to Ange Postecoglou is my is my message. And I, I have two questions for you. The first one is, if he was that good, why is he at Spurs? If if Celtic is such a big job, why has he gone to Europe plus trophy to Spurs and about to lose their talisman? And number two, which month of 2023 is he going to be sacked in? He's not going to be sacked in 2023, um, or he'll be sacked in November. Um, and. <laughs> He's at Spurs because Spurs is the job that's available. And also on another thing, like, oh, if he was that good, why would he be here or why would he be there? How else do you expect a guy from Australia to work his way up other than by managing clubs in Australia and then maybe going over to Asia and doing Japan and then getting the chance of moving over to Europe? Like, you know, we criticise 
um, sort of almost like the nepotism in football of of these ex-players getting handed these managerial careers to them on a silver platter without having earned it. And then when a guy does work his way up and earns it and goes a long way in the hard way, then that's held against him. Like if anything, his background and the jobs he's been at should be um, you know, applauded for the fact that he's managed to get to the Premier League having started from where he started from. So, well, yeah. either, well, either, it, either it's, you know, Celtic are a great team or, or Spurs are, a, I, don't, I don't know, is it either Celtic are bad or Spurs are bad? Why? Are Spurs that great? Because if, if uh, you know, if, ha, ha, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. As in, why would you leave Celtic to go to Spurs if Celtic? Yeah, if, you're, if, if Celtic are that. Well, because he's. Why, why he, would you go downgrade Spurs? Well, it's an upgrade, it's an upgrade in terms of the league. Upgrade? Premier League is an upgrade, upgrade over SPL. Yeah. And you've achieved everything there is to achieve at Celtic. He'd won a treble. He'd probably think, well, I want to go and test myself in the Premier League. And, and he probably thinks, actually with Spurs, given how they've done in the Champions League in recent years, if I can get them back into the Champions League, then I can probably have a better crack at the Champions League with Spurs, with the Premier League resources than I could do with Celtic. Listen, I'm finding excuses, but but I've seen the story a million times. And, and I think I think most telling of this whole conversation is that we were talking about Arsenal's end to the season. We've just ignored Spurs' end because we always do. Because there's always an excuse for Spurs of why it didn't work out. Always an ex- there's always an excuse for Arsenal. All this, oh, we weren't expected to be to- uh, yeah, winning anything. Achieved, oh, we're, still, we're so we're still young. Achieved oh. We still achieved something. What? Spurs you achieved, achieved nothing. nothing again. You, you told well, me Spurs previously achieved. that unless you win a trophy, you've achieved nothing. So you didn't win a trophy. Champions League qualification. So what? We, we were getting Champions League qualification left, right and centre for years. And you said that's nothing because it's all trophy, trophy, trophy. So actually Spurs and Arsenal basically had equal seasons last year. Both had no silverware. Only thing that Spurs have achieved last year is Harry Kane being top goal scorer again. Exactly. And that, and that is something that fans will look back on more favourably than you'll look back on this season. You'll look back on the season as the year we bottled the title. We'll look we'll, back on we'll, it as we'll the year Harry Kane became an all-time that, top that goal we, scorer. That we, defi- that we defied the odds. And we put on the title charge. The odds of Champions League qualification were probably... We developed a young team who got experience, who are ready to go win the league this year. And who are going to win and, the and league what, the next and few so years. What, so what's your excuse going to be if you don't win the league? Because you, you already started the excuse there. You said going to win the league next year. And then you said next few years. You already... Yeah. And with the Declan Rice, you already saying, yeah, oh, I, oh I, next few years. So, so if you don't... Now, what's the excuse going to be when you don't win the league next this season? With all the big money, you can't guarantee the league anymore. There's so many teams up there that... Yeah, I don't think everyone's going to qualify for the Champions League every year, except maybe Man City. But, you know, even Liverpool. You know, how, who would have thought Liverpool would have let, um, missed out? Who would have thought Chelsea would have missed out? I think that if you make the Champions League three out of five years nowadays, that's going to be good innings. If you, if well, you so, when, so, when, so when Spurs did that and you just called us bottlers who achieved nothing because you haven't got a trophy. So, so, that, so now it's Arsenal doing it, it's fine. But when it was Spurs doing it, oh, it was nothing. That was with no Newcastle. There was no Newcastle involved there. There was no Villa involved there. You know, Arsenal weren't weren't in, um, in the driving seat. That, it was a given. It was a given at that stage that Spurs were going to do well because that was that was the landscape then. Now the landscape is harder. And guess what? We finished second. And we almost damn well won the land. The landscape's harder. Chelsea almost got relegated. But Chelsea spent all that money, and guess what? They're going to be back next year. Well, let's see. Well, you know, one team that's going to be back next year, my dark horse, Liverpool FC. You think they'll be finishing top four again? I think they'll be there. I think they'll be up there. I think if if think the the 
the title challenge next year going to be Arsenal, Liverpool and City. Interesting. I think Liverpool without the, uh, the top European competitions, I think rebuilding will be exciting for them. They have lots of strength and depth up front. What, what about defensively, though? Is it flawless, the back line? It was a pretty shambolic last season. Van Dijk's getting on a bit now, injury start prone. Started to, start to build it up at the end of the year. Um, but I do wonder, if, we'll, we'll, if Klopp doesn't have a great start again, will, will they decide, you know what, actually, time to go. Maybe Angie will be poached from Spurs because they're good. Maybe. He, or does, or maybe he does have a soft spot for Liverpool. In typical, typical Spurs fa- uh, fashion, Nagelsmann will probably go there. Uh, win them the league and then they'll say oh no we're too good for Nagelsmann well you have to w- wonder why Chelsea didn't go for Nagelsmann why PSG didn't go for Nagelsmann I mean clearly there's you know why did Bayern sack him I think there's clearly something up with this guy he's not I the, the god's gift that everyone on Twitter likes to make out he is I don't know Julian I don't know him well <laughs> he's not he's not my sort of person so okay we, we've covered the end of the season Spurs were rubbish Arsenal were brilliant um you know I'd say if we're Arsenal talking, bottled it Spurs if, were, if, if, if we're talking about you know where the clubs are right now, I'd say Arsenal in a much, much, much stronger position than Spurs. It's not even a, it's not even a question. Um, so I guess it's thinking about what's happening next because, you know, we're, we're in the midst of pre-season. Things are going by rapidly. And as you said, I think it's, I think it's less than a month. Yeah, it's one, one, two, one, two, two and a half, two and a half weeks. No, three weeks. Maybe three weeks. We'll be, uh, we'll be talking about the beginning of the season. And, you know, Spurs, are you, are you, are you better than last season already? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> apart from James Madison, I don't think we... I mean, we haven't addressed the, the, the priority, which is the defence. I mean, we conceded, I think it was 62, 63 goals last season. I mean, it was a relegation-level defence. I think only, like, the bottom few teams had a worse defensive record than us, and we've yet to sign any centre-backs. I'm not sure about the goalkeeper we've signed. Um Madison's a good signing, a sort of signing we should have made a couple of years ago. Um, you almost wonder, worry whether it's almost like a bit of a too little, too late. You know, you think about, oh, what a great combination, him and Kane, but maybe Kane's leaving. Um, a preseason's been been bad. We went to, we flew to Australia to play West Ham. Then we flew to Thailand to play Leicester, but the match got called off because of rain, because it's monsoon season. Um, and then we're going to fly to Singapore, where we were meant to be playing Roma, but Roma pulled out. So instead, we're playing a team who I think are called Lion City Sailors. So oh. we would have flown, done all that traveling to go to Australia, Thailand and Singapore to really only play one properly competitive game. And that was against West Ham. Um, and then I think six days before the start of the season, we're going to Barcelona to play them in, in some sort of friendly. So I'm a bit concerned about the preseason preparations, whether we're getting enough proper matches in and all the traveling we've been doing. I'm a bit concerned about the fact we haven't signed any centre-backs. And obviously, as I'm sure we'll get onto in more detail later, the hurricane situation. Also, in my research about Postcoglu, I heard that even at Celtic, um, his teams tend to be slow starters because it takes time, understandably, for the team to get used to a style of play. As happened, you know, even some of the best managers at some of the biggest clubs we've seen, you know, uh, Pepper City took time. Klopp at Liverpool took time. Arteta at Arsenal uh, took time. Oh, one of um, the best managers, eh? No, no, I didn't mean that. Um, I didn't mean <laughs> him. I was that was a separate point, separate paragraph. Is it? Oh, you know, even your guy, you know, he's not the best manager. Um, it's so probably, away to Brentford isn't an easy first game for him, is it? Especially when Romo no. scores the brace. Well, no, exactly. Brentford, you know, well-organized team, know what they're doing, even without Ivan Tony. Uh, and then we've got Man United at home. After that, United will be tough. So, I mean, I could see us losing the first couple of games. Uh, but, I mean, I'm, I'm prepared for that. I'm, I'm trusting the process. Um, 
but yeah, I think we're going to get off to a bad start. Um, and I think we need to be be ready for that. I'm sure you'll be close. I, do you know what? I think it'd be very similar to the start Arsenal had um, a couple of seasons ago where you lost at Brentford on the opening day and then you got battered at home by Chelsea and then you went and lost to City. I think it'll be a very similar start and there'll be very similar jokes being made about us being relegated and all of this. But I think if we hold firm and trust trust the uh, trust the process that Postcoglu, we will improve as the season goes on. But I think we need to to fasten our seatbelts for a bit of a, a bumpy ride. Will it be a ride with your talisman and captain Harry? Not even Harry captain, but I presume he'd be captain uh, once Lloris is gone. Uh, Harry Kane. Uh, I mean, it's looking more and more likely now that he's leaving, isn't it? Just the noise seems to be rising if it's not Bayern it's PSG um it doesn't look like he's signing a new contract you know is it really tenable to let him go into the last year with that being unresolved I mean personally as a fan you know the whole business argument oh take the money now rather than lose him on a free to be honest I don't really I think there is actually a business argument for keeping him because you're more likely to qualify for Europe or win something with Kane than without. And the money you could generate from doing that might be more potentially than you, you might get from this summer. Um, but also, I mean, as a fan, I don't really care. Like, why should I care about whether the club gets money or not? I just want to see the best players I can play well, that, for my that, team. That will, that, will, that will trigger the long-term rebuilds. And it was a bit like Gareth yeah, Bale. But, you did it wrong the last time. Well, exactly. So so why should, why should I, you know, bail that money... Because he's gone. Because he's gone next year. Why would he sign a new contract? Yeah, but why? Why? Why would I? I, I want to see Harry Kane play for Tottenham as long as possible. Why should I care about getting money that's going to be wasted? Because when you see the next five years of mediocrity, will you wish you'd cashed in? No, because I don't think we'll sign anyone better than Harry Kane. I mean, the only reason, you know, with Bale, Ericsson and Lamella ended up being good signings because we lucked out with Pochettino. But otherwise, that money was wasted. So having seen that example, there was no team that gets better you know maybe in the long run if you get lucky you get better but in the short term we will be like yes I, I get the argument but as a purely kind of fan level like you know if you keep him for an extra year maybe you qualify for the top four again and then you can replace him from a position of strength okay you won't have got a transfer fee for him but we didn't pay anything for him to begin with we'd just be getting his wages off the books and I imagine he's by far the most best paid player in the squad so and if he if he helps you qualify for Europe you can replace him from more position of strength than this summer I mean, selling... sorry, go. Okay. I would say he hasn't won a league or or a cup or anything. So I'd argue that, well, okay, all he's got is consolation goals. At the end of the day, all the goals meant nothing, and so all of Arsenal's goals last season meant nothing then as well because there was no cup at the end of it. Fine, but <laughs> but I'd say put Son up there. You've got such great wingers. You've got Richardson. You've got Kulusevski. Try something different. Maybe that will win you something. Well, no, it probably will. I mean, probably, you know, sods, you know, when Kane goes, that'll probably be then when we win something. I mean, let's not forget, we got to a Champions League final without Harry Kane and people thought he shouldn't have played in the final. So I know we can play, you know, I'm sure there's a way and maybe now is the best time to do it. New manager, new system, all the rest of it. I get, you know, it's a head versus heart thing. Yes, logically, you might think, do it now, get some money, start the rebuild. You've got to do it at some point. But on the flip side, it's kind of like, well... Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, the, the argument that convinces me more is more the how destabilising it might be. You know, we saw last season with Conte how destabilising it can be when you have a key figure at the club with not long left on their contract and the cloud that can put over everything and, and the uncertainty and how every press conference becomes about that and how that eventually then affects results. And the argument that I'm sympathetic to is, look, you don't want that hanging over you all of next season because even though he might keep playing and keep scoring, 
that almost then makes it more of a story because in every press conference it's going to be oh is he signing a new contract is he going to stay is he going to leave on a free and if he leaves on a free and can go anywhere he wants who's to say he won't um link up a pot at chelsea or go to united we could sell him abroad this summer like we did with bail like i get it yeah definitely there's an argument to sell him but also at the same time it's like would I be upset if we had an extra year of Harry Kane? Of course not. I'd get I'd get to go and watch Harry Kane play football and score goals for an extra year. So it's kind of like for me, probably is now the time to sell him. Maybe yeah, but you know sometimes players are worth more than anyone can can pay you. You know some players are just priceless in a way, right? And it's like you know he's our all-time top goal scorer. And why would I actively want him to to leave? You know what I mean? September 1st, where is he? Well, if he's not at Spurs, I'd rather he be in Paris than Munich at this point because Bayern have annoyed me with how they've gone about it this summer. <laughs> um, I don't see what they've done wrong. Well, they've they've made low bids and they know they've made low bids and they've tapped him up. I mean, every, every club does it, so Every whatever. club does it. It's but, negotiation. I'm sure Spurs um, the same with, with Madison. They put in that low bid, ridiculous bid with Harvey Barnes. Yeah, which was obviously untrue. Have you got any proof that, that was true? And, and all, I mean, how much did Harvey Barnes go for? 30 million? Mm. So, and Madison was 40, so that's what, 70? And what was the joint bid, supposedly? 50? So, it's not that far off. Massive low ball, then. I don't think so. They're championship players, technically, when we <laughs> bid for them. Um, has has anyone like Harry Kane been mentioned on a podcast like this as much? He must be the record name. Probably, yeah. I don't know what we'll do if he does leave. What are we going to talk about? Oh, we'll move, we'll move on to Richardson. He's my next target. Yeah. No, but look, I get, I get the logical argument of getting rid of Kane. And to be honest, I was open, you might remember, a couple of years ago. I was actually open to the selling Kane argument before, but then City annoyed me with how they went about it, and then I dug my heels in. Um, at the end of the day, if some if somebody offered a, a proper amount for him, I'm sure Spurs would sell him because of the argument that you've laid out. But at the end of the day, if it's a choice of a low ball bid or keeping him for a year and leaving him on a free, I'd almost rather lose it, lose him on a free than sell him this summer for below what he's worth. Even with one year left on his contract, he's worth more than, his, than the reported bids. It's going to be interesting because I, I look at, but like, I keep an eye on Spurs because, you know, I'm such a great Spurs advocate and, and I don't see a team that's building something very exciting. I don't see great young talent. I see, I see a team I, that's stagnant and got a stopgap manager. And, and I, I think it's worrying if Spurs, if they do lose him and they don't replace him however they have to be done with full strategy, then it's going to be seriously worrying. If they do keep him and he, I don't know, pulls a hammy or is not focused, then and it's also worrying for Spurs. I don't see it. I don't see a way where Spurs come out of the season better than they are, you know, right now. I think it's more worrying for Kane if he pulls a hammy in the last year of his contract because he's the one who then has his contract expire and if he's injured can't play for anyone and has no one paying his wages and a very expensive lifestyle to keep up. Um, which is actually, you know, we talk about players running their contracts down. It's actually a big risk for them uh, as much as a club because they need that guarantee and protection as well. Um, I think we've got a lot of young players, a lot of young talent, and I do think we have a, a manager in Postcoglu who uh, could be there for the long term if we commit. I think there's no point bringing in a manager like that and not committing to the long term and recognising that it's going to be, um, you know, potentially a two, three year 
or longer project. And maybe then again, that's an argument for selling Kane because is he really going to stick around for that? Maybe not. Um, but I I do agree if, if he goes, we need to have a, a proper plan in place. And to be honest, that might not be going out and signing another big striker. It might be having a Son or, or a Charleston up top and signing players in other positions because you're not going to replace Kane like for like. Um, you know, it's the assists as well as the goals. Now, maybe with Madison, you get a bit more creativity in the team, but maybe actually you need to spend that money in other areas if you want to improve the team uh, as a whole. But I mean, I'm under no illusions. I think, you know, Kane was the difference last season between us not being a relegation scrap. Let's be honest, if you look at how many, if you look at how many points his goals were worth to us and you look at our defensive record and you look at what happened to Chelsea, right? You said it, all the money, all the talent they've got, they were a couple more defeats away from being in serious trouble of relegation. You look at what happened to Leicester, right? Won the league a few years ago, won the FA Cup, got relegated. Aston Villa went from relegation scrap to qualifying for Europe within the course of a season. Like it is a lot more precarious than than people realise. So I'm not under any illusion. And that's part of the reason why I would want to keep Kane an extra year, because I don't trust us to, to replace him. And if you take all those goals out of the team and you haven't strengthened the defence... You could be in trouble. So that's why I almost say that argument of he might be worth more to us for a year, even if we lose him on a free, because we could potentially be just, you know, in a better position. And I mean, it wouldn't take much for us to have a better season than the last season. We finished eighth. We only need to finish seventh. And objectively, it's been a better season than the last season. So I would hope we would do that. But, you know, there are, like you said, Newcastle are on the scene now, Villa, Brighton. Um, although that being said, and I guess kind of looking at sort of, next season I do think a lot of clubs the thing we need to use to our advantage is the fact that we're not in Europe because Arsenal I know you've been in the Europa League all these years and how you've been in it this this long and not won it no major European trophies for a club of Arsenal size I don't know how that's happened but being in the Champions League is different that's going to take a lot more out of you you won't be able to rotate the same way Brighton never been in Europe before Newcastle Champions League for the first time Villa in Europe these are clubs that either aren't used to being in the Champions League or being in Europe at all and you have to wonder whether actually that will affect them and open the door for other clubs like Spurs and Chelsea with no Europe and, you know, Liverpool, Europa League, who can maybe rotate a bit more to kind of take advantage of that. So it'll be interesting to to see, actually, whether the tables might turn quite dramatically next season and some of the teams who qualified for Europe actually ending up worse off than the teams who didn't. How does it make you feel when you look at Arsenal making all these big signings for big players that, let's be honest, Spurs would take all three of them? I, uh, I know, I know, I wouldn't. I don't think I would actually. I take Timber because we need a centre back. Um, but would I take Havertz? I mean, you're signing an attacking midfield player supposedly to play him in central midfield. Players um, quality players, and, and you know what, the football has changed. Did you did you want until, until Arsenal were linked to Havertz? Until you were actually linked to him, did you actually want him? Did you look at him and go, oh, that's a player I wish Arsenal had? No, but I also... Well, there you go. That was, no, but then I recognised he was a quality player and I thought... This you recognised he was a quality player when Arsenal yeah, the, bought him? No, if no, Spurs always, had bought him, if Spurs have... had bought him, would you have recognised he was a quality player? No, of course not. Well, there you go. But, but you look at him, the guy scored a Champions League final winning goal. The guy is quality. So did, the guy is quality so did in him. Diego Milito. It's Diego Milito. Exactly. I thought he was pretty good, no? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, but, I, you know, I don't know. Um... No, I wouldn't. And and look, Declan Rice, don't get me wrong, I think he's a good player. Well, you wouldn't sign Declan Rice? Not as good as Ollie Skip, honestly, guys. 
Uh, well, I think Bentoncourt and 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 Basuma. Oh, for God's sake. What? Bentoncourt is better than Declan Rice. He's talking about. Basuma didn't even play last year either. Bentoncourt is better than Declan Rice. I'm willing to go. Is a no, is a nobody. Bentoncourt. Bentoncourt is better than Declan Rice. He's won more trophies than Declan Rice. He's worth like a pound and a and a packet of Diet Coke. Yeah, it's not all about money. Look at Chelsea. Look about all the money they spent on players. Didn't make them any good. In fact, if you look at the, the record transfer fees, most of those players turn out to be flops. So I'd be Benton worried Core. about the fact that you spent 100. Yeah, Benton Core's better than Declan Rice. I'm going to, of course he is. You, you're Benton just... Core is just a combination of Darren Bent and Decore. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, he's, he's, he's way better than Declan Rice. You're, you've just got the English English Benton. Premier League bias. I don't know who Benton Core is. If Declan Rice is that good, how come West Ham almost got relegated when he was the heartbeat of that team? Did they? They won, the Euro, they, won, they won the Europa Conference. Yeah, who did they beat to win that? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Oh, please. Declan Rice is the future England captain, future Arsenal captain, future man who's going to lift the Premier League trophy with Arsenal, and is 20 times better than Bentacor. All you're talking about is hypotheticals about what he might do, won't do. Um, rather than well, talking about what he's actually done, because you know lifted, that if you lift, compare what Rice more, and Bentoncourt have actually done, that Bentoncourt has achieved way more. Well, he's lifted more trophies with an English club. So what? There are there are clubs outside of England. Well, Bentoncourt. And he well, lifted the Conference League. What's what's wrong with the Conference League? You well, look, actually, don't get me wrong. I, I I wish Spurs were in the Conference League because West Ham have proven that it's an easy, yeah, Spurs, easier Spurs trophy to win Spurs than Spurs the decided not, Spurs decided not to be in it. We didn't they, decide not to do it. We got kicked we out. We didn't we withdraw. We got kicked out. Yeah, because he withdrew. Not because we withdrew, because we got kicked out. Because we had COVID. Yeah. We couldn't, yeah. we, they wouldn't let us play the game. No, that's not, that's not withdrawing. That's saying out. if you get expelled from school, you don't say, oh yeah, I withdrew from school. No. You got kicked out. That's the, <laughs> which was actually, would never have happened in a proper tournament, by the way. And we should have fought that because it was an absolutely ridiculous situation. And look, I actually um, am a fan of the Conference League. I wish Spurs were in it um, and because it's a West Ham approving and I think Villa will prove it's an easier trophy to win than the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup because the likes of City and United and Liverpool aren't in it. Um, but the Conference League is not a bigger competition to, to win than Serie A. I think we should calm this down, right? And I think we should go for a very non-controversial topic <laughs> called Saudi Arabia right now. Yeah, no, true. It's not controversial. It's safe no, ground. That's absolutely, yeah. Nothing could go wrong there. Nothing at all. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Harry Kane's going to Saudi Arabia. They're signing, in, you know, Mbappe. I mean, you know, if Mbappe, Mbappe's got one year left on his contract, hasn't he? So if he's going for 259 million, then, uh, you know, well, Kane, Harry Kane's that, that... got to be 400 million because Harry Kane is the best player in the world. Well. Is he going I mean, to Mbappe? I mean, if they, if do you, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, PSG are allowing him to speak to them, but whether he actually goes, I mean, it's long. Usually it seems to happen the other way nowadays, where the personal terms agreed before clubs have even agreed a fee. So it's, are they pushing him out? I mean, well, I guess PSG, I mean, it's a similar situation, isn't it? With, uh, you know, PSG and Mbappe is very similar to Kane and Spurs in a way. It's one year left on the contract. What do you do? Do you sell him this summer? Do you risk losing him on a free? You'd think PSG are a club, you know, rich enough that they can stomach losing him on a free. Um, but maybe not. I mean, and I guess if you're a club, you get a £259 million bid. You're probably not going to turn that down, are you? So I guess the balls in Mbappe's court. I mean, it's mad to me that they would spend that much money for what is being reported as a one-year contract. 
But what could it bring? I mean, what could that as a signing do for them? I mean, this is where I I haven't found a definitive list yet. But what I really want is to see like all 18 teams in the Saudi league and who they've got. Because every time I research, I see subpar players or players who are about to retire. And that doesn't make me think I'm going to go and tune in on Sky Sports to watch the Saudi league next year. What I was going to ask you, even if they sign Mbappe, would you actually watch any Saudi league games next season? Well, the caveat is, I think if Mbappe left now, I reckon you'd see 50, 60 players go straight away. All the kind of lower league teams. I'm surprised Zaha didn't cash in on that for a year. Um, I, I think I think I think I'd only watch it if it start, they started to get if there were enough teams that put out were putting out 11s that were were good enough. But right now, it sounds like there's three, four players on four, five teams, and what's the fun of that? It's, it, it's interesting this summer because I feel like it's almost revealing which footballers have some sense of almost like self-pride and morals and which ones are just in it for the money. And look, it's a short career. It's a precarious career. One injury, it could be over. It's a huge amount of money. You know, none of us have been tempted with that amount. So, you know, I'm not oh, necessarily yourself, judging mate. these players to, to take it. To yourself, mate. I've been getting the offers all over the place. Um, but, I, you know, it does make me have more respect for people like Marco Silva, Hyungman's son as well, Messi, these players who could have taken the, the the paycheck but have decided to stick around and thought, actually, no, I've got more to prove. I want to stick around in the league that has a bit more credibility. Um, and, you know, interesting with Jordan Henderson, obviously a lot of upset mm. given his, you know, uh, admirably outspoken stance on LGBT issues in the past and now going to Saudi and how does he reconcile those two things? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, you know, some of the uh, arguments kind of back and forth because some people are saying, well, this is what the Premier League's been doing for years. The Premier League has been using its wealth and influence to hoover up the best talent from other countries. Um, but then on the flip side, you go, well, this whole Saudi project is kind of state backed in a way that Premier League clubs aren't. But then you realise, well, hang on a minute, the, the PIF, these Saudi clubs are owned, some of them by the same people who own Newcastle. So we've let the exact same ownership groups into the Premier League. Um, so it's a very kind of messy, murky thing. And I don't know what the end point is because we saw what happened with the golf with the Saudis. Mm. Yeah. I think if there's but, a next, I mean, what's next? Are they going to get these clubs into the Champions League? Is UEFA going to let them in? Does financial fair play not? Well, that's the um, UEFA thing, isn't it? So yeah, side of UEFA. So then if, if, but if they start signing players like Mbappe and they've got Ronaldo and they've got, who else have they got? I don't know. Uh, Benzema and Kante and um, Mares and all these players in. And if people do start watching it, then all of a sudden does the Champions League become less kind of valuable? And then does the UEFA think, actually, no, we need to get these guys in the tent. But then to do that, do we need to lift FFP? Or does the Super League come back, but with Saudi backing and the Saudi clubs? And they're not going to care about fan protests outside of grounds here in the UK if they've got all these superstars in Riyadh, are they? They're just going to press ahead with it. And then the clubs might have found their way, you know, found a, a, an actor in Saudi who are willing to kind of push that project through in a way that the other European clubs kind of, when it came down to it, weren't willing to do. I don't know. I mean, I can't deny that if it was on TV and there was big players playing uh, and they had a big buzz on it, I can't deny that I probably would watch it. But I don't know how sustainable it is right now because guess what? Benzema and Kante and Ronaldo, they're all, they're all retiring in the next year or so. So I Yeah, it's one really... last payday for them, isn't it? So it's like... 
And what's that? What's that going to do for Saudi? It's, it's a little bit more advanced than China and the MLS, but I don't. Th- I, everyone's been talking about how well the MLS has developed. It really has, but I don't think you know. Since Beckham went there, it's been what fifteen years. Not really gone um, stratospheric. I mean, what's? Yeah. I mean, in a what, way, what I, in a way, I think they've already succeeded because we're all talking about Saudi Arabia, and we wouldn't have been otherwise. And if this is all just about um, promoting the country and trying to change what people associate the country with, then they've already succeeded. I don't know. Do you want to go to Saudi Arabia on holiday now? No, but no, but give it a few years and maybe some people will be. I mean, I was speaking with um, a, a close friend of, of ours from school days. Uh, I won't name him because, uh, you know, I don't know if he wants he, to be, he must not be named. publicly named on the podcast or not. I won't violate his privacy, but he has a family who've, who've recently moved there. And he was saying to me that what Saudi are doing is kind of similar to what Dubai did um, years ago when they wanted to kind of open up to Western tourism and kind of make themselves a bit of a place to be. And maybe if, you know, Saudi Arabia can now go, look, this is where Ronaldo lives and Mbappe and all these players, then maybe you will have some people who think, oh, yeah, why not? I'll go there on holiday, you know, sunny weather over the winter, you know, see some football, go see a game, go see Ronaldo. I mean, I'm sure they've already had more tourism from people going to see Ronaldo than they might have had otherwise. And if they add even more players on top of that, then I don't know. But I mean, yeah, how sustainable is it? I don't know. Like, I think like you said, it's it, it's just these players who are on the verge of retirement and they don't have a, a sustainable thing underneath that, then maybe eventually it will fizzle out, fizzle out. But maybe they'll be hosting the 2030 World Cup. Maybe they'll be, you know, and that will then keep it, keep it going. It's going to be really interesting. And I think... Uh... A new season is going to be interesting across Europe as well, because again, it, 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 every year starts to prove well, what is the best league and who are the best teams and who's bringing the best talent and you know Champions League and Europe and all of that does will start to show again. Are, are the English teams still the best? I mean, an English team won it last year, so maybe it is. Are the, are the Italians coming back? Are the, uh, are the French there? Are the Spanish coming back? I know that Madrid are always Madrid and Barcelona seem to be to be a bigger team again. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, 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 it leads me on to the point about next season, and and I'd love to get your your prediction right now. I might have to bring up the table, but what are you thinking? Going back all the way back to England, what are you thinking so, about your your top four and your your bottom three? Ooh, top four, bottom three. I don't know because it's. I do have some predictions for things that I think might happen. What that means for where these teams finish, I feel like Steve Cooper might be the first manager to be sacked. Because Nottingham Forest, I think, have a pretty opening, like tricky opening run of fixtures. And I feel like he came close to being sacked a few times last season. I feel like Eddie Howe might get sacked. Huge. Because Newcastle, Newcastle, it's been all upwards under him so far. But what happens if they hit a bump in the road? How will they deal with being in the Champions League? Those owners haven't really been tested yet. And the the allure there surely to get a proper big name manager in, no disrespect to Eddie Howe, must be quite high. Jose Mourinho, um, it's happening. It's written in the stars, isn't it, Mourinho, to go there? Yeah, um, yeah I agree. I think Villa will win the Conference League. Unai Emery loves it, you know, all those Europa Leagues he won, not with Arsenal, but with uh, Sevilla and uh, even with Villarreal as well. Um, I think so. So I reckon they'll go all out for that, similar to how West Ham did. Top four, I feel like... Oh, I'm going to go City again for the title. Just because they all they always find a way, and even though it seems like they're losing players and not getting players in, 
I just feel like they've still got a deep enough squad. They've still got Erling Haaland. If they sign Vardiol, um, you know, their defence is going to be fine. And I think, you know, they've won the... Ch- I don't know, actually, winning the treble, they might have a dip. That's it's how, you know, how do you keep the motivation high after that? They might have a dip, but I still think City. Um, the rest of the top four... I don't know. I have a feeling United might have a dip. I agree. Because... I agree with that. I, I don't think they've actually strengthened that well, to be honest. I think they're still missing a striker. Their defence isn't great. And, and it went under really... the radar a bit last season. They won the the, the uh, Carabao Cup, but they only kind of just finished in the top four. And when you consider how bad Liverpool were, how bad Chelsea were, how bad we were, they weren't that convincing last season, really. They had some pretty heavy defeats as well, like losing 7-0 to Liverpool and... Um, I don't know. I find it really hard actually to predict the top four this year. I'm really unsure. I, I, Chelsea, you've got to think, will have a better season. No Europe as well. Is it a top four season? Maybe. Maybe they get back in, straight back in. Um, don't be shy of saying Arsenal. I don't want to say Arsenal. I do think you'll have a dip. I think you'll start well because you have a, a relatively kind opening run of fixtures, as you always seem to do. But I think you will have a dip once Champions League kicks in. And I do think your your signings are overhyped. And um, we played Chelsea and City in the first three games a couple of years ago. Yeah, but last the, the season just gone, you you had like all green on that FPL fixture ticker for your we first all, like five or we six. We all play the same thirty-eight um, games in the year. Um, maybe maybe Arsenal like squeeze in their third or fourth. Um, and yeah, maybe Liverpool. Although it seems weird to say. United not, but yeah, I think they can say, I'm going to say City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, top four. I don't know really, in what order. Maybe uh, back to the good days if you, had, if you, if you swap United and City. Ugh, the, the awful days. Um, the and great then days. bottom three, I don't know, is it too lazy to say Luton, um, <laughs> Sheffield United, <laughs> and then, I don't know, wh- one of the newly promoted teams will stay up. Normally at least one stays up. So I'll say Burnley, even though I think Burnley... I mean, they got battered when they played City in the FA Cup. I don't know if Burnley might be. It's it's not your Sean Dyche Burnley. It's a different kind of Burnley. Maybe they'll be a bit too naive, a bit too open defensively. But I'll say Luton, Sheffield United and... I don't know. Tottenham? No. Uh, who almost got relegated last season? Everton? Bournemouth. I, I don't know. I, I Their new manager, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what he's like. Forests, maybe. Wolves. Wolves, yeah. I mean, if you're signing Matt Doherty back, you know. Fulham without, um, Fulham without Mitrovic. Fulham without Mitrovic. And if Silver had gone as well, I actually would have predicted Fulham. I, feel, I think they could have a big second season dip. Um, Brentford without Tony for half season. Yeah, although, I mean, they played pretty well without Tony at the end of last season. So maybe they'll be all right. Um, Everton as well. Everton as well. They've been. Are they ever going to improve again? I don't know. Yeah, you don't. You, you can't see them like troubling the top half, can you? Um, yeah, I don't know. What are your your feelings, your predictions? It's funny. I, I said it. I said it as a flip away comment before, but it's funny when we say, "Oh, that everyone plays the same thirty eight games." But actually, the way the Premier League fixtures are drawn and the way they fit around international breaks and you know, towards the end of the season when injuries naturally happen, it, it does make a difference, doesn't it, really? Um, 
I think I'm going to be more a bit a bit more direct on this one. I think the league is going to go as follows. Um, the relegated three are going to be Sheffield United, Luton, and Nottingham Forest, or Burnley or Bournemouth. You can flip a coin for those two. I think Burnley and Villa are going to be dark horses. Um, I'm actually going as far to say that fourth place will be Villa. Well. Uh, third place will be Liverpool, second place will be City, and first place will be Arsenal. That's where I'm well, going with it. There you go. So when we do the equivalent podcast this time next year, there can be no excuse of we weren't expected to do anything because you have it here on record, Arsenal predicted yeah. to win the league by we Jason. Not, so. we, we might not be, but I, my expectations, and, I, and I'll take the rap, take the heat as I always do. And where do you think... Because I didn't say where I thought Spurs would finish where I was giving my oh. predictions. Where do you think Spurs will finish? I think Spurs will finish 10th or 11th. And I think Whoa. the manager will be gone. I think that Kane will be gone either at that year or he would have signed a pre-contract. And I think the future is very, very bleak for Spurs. And I reckon by the end of, uh, by the beginning of next summer, they'll be up for sale and uh, they'll be back to the Martin Yold days of what are Spurs. You? I think I'm going to go for sixth. Okay. Bit of Europa League. Very exciting. Yeah, fifth fifth or sixth. I think, you know, it might be similar to Pochettino's first season. You know, Pochettino's first season at Spurs, we finished fifth and we lost in the uh, cup final, the Carabao Cup final to Chelsea, who won the league that year with Mourinho. And okay, didn't win anything, didn't qualify for Champions League, but you could see the progress, you could see the new playing philosophy. It was the start of a new era, and uh, things improved from there. That's that's my kind of. If it goes well, um, I could see Postecoglou having a similar season to Pochettino. But who knows? Maybe one game a week will surprise. You know, maybe we'll sign Mbappe. We'll do a swap oh, deal. Oh, yeah. We'll do a swap deal. We'll sign Mbappe. One game a week. We'll we'll go and we'll shock everyone and win the league or or or. I guess even just finishing top four would probably be shocking everyone at, at this stage. Uh, or win something. Who knows? I think, I think pigs will fly as well. Um, one final word on Pochettino. We never really spoke about it. Happy, sad, unsurprised. Think anything's going to happen of it. Well, I, I think, think... You did say you wanted him in. I remember last season. Thought he was coming back. Yeah, I do think the Spurs-Chelsea um, game will be interesting. I think in a way, actually, it might have been one of the best things that could have happened for Postacoglu, because if Pochettino had still been out there and still been available, it had been hanging over him. Now Pochettino has gone to Chelsea, it's kind of almost turned some fans against him. Um, it's another kind of head versus heart thing. On the one hand, you can't really blame him because we sacked him and we've hired so many ex-Chelsea managers, so who are we to complain about him going to Chelsea? And he's, his family lives in London, he wants to work, it's not like he's gone to Arsenal, what do you expect him to do? On the other hand, um, you know, for the fan, you know, the club, the board is kind of what they deserve for sacking him and, and hiring all the Chelsea managers. But for the fans who, as you said, I and many others wanted him back, were singing his name at the end of last season, didn't really want him sacked in the first place. To see him at Chelsea, who literally before every home game sing, we hate Tottenham. And yes, it's not Arsenal. And yes, we've had those of ex-Chelsea managers. But at the same time, Pochettino knows how fierce that Spurs-Chelsea rivalry is. Because when he was Spurs manager, Chelsea were actually more of our rivals than Arsenal were. This is when Arsenal were kind of nothing. And it, and a lot of the grudge matches were us and Chelsea. There was that famous, you know, when Leicester won the league, all the fights kicking off. Like, he does know the intensity of that rivalry. And given how much he spoke about 
Spurs and how much he loves Tottenham and coming back to Tottenham one day, it does hurt to see him at Chelsea in Chelsea gear. Uh, but maybe it's what we need to finally get over him and to kind of start a new era. And uh, yeah, Agreed. in, in Postacoglu, we trust. You see the other, you see the partner in, in, with another with another guy, and you're like, right, definitely over now. Move on, move on to the next best thing, and uh, hopefully, you know, that, that's that's the one. Is Postu the one? Postu, you're the one. You still turn me on. Tottenham's, Tottenham's winning trophies, trophies again. again. <laughs> <laughs>